0: So I want to begin this morning by asking you to think about your walk with God thus far in your life. Think about your own spiritual journey. I want to ask you the question, what do you think has impacted you the most in your walk with God? It could be a a relationship, a friendship, a mentor, maybe a spiritual practice, maybe an environment you were in at one point in your life. Maybe it was a sermon or a a camp or a book you read, something, uh, something that's impacted you and helped you grow the most in your walk with God. Now, I want you to have this answer in your mind and we'll come back to it a little bit later in the sermon. We're nearing the end of our current sermon series, Grow Together, Flourishing as Disciples in Community. And I simply want to say this morning, it takes a village to raise a disciple. You might have heard that about children, but it's true about disciples as well. It takes a village to raise a disciple. And we've been talking a lot about community, and I want to dive deeper. What do we mean when we say community? Because there are many different ways of being and belonging in community. And so, today I want to help us think through the different kinds of relationships that we need the different kind of communities we need that help us and help others flourish in their walk with God. And today I'm going to present to you a framework uh, that is based on some sociology. Um, it's also based, uh, I, I think, on the ministry of Jesus. Um, but it's not directly from the Bible, okay? It's not directly from the Bible. So there's, there's not, this is not some hard and fast rule about this. But I want to present to you something that I've discovered to be a helpful framework, uh, a, help, a helpful tool in thinking about my relationships, my communities, and my own discipleship as a follower of Jesus. So, in the 1960s, a sociologist named Edward Hall uh, looked at how physical space and distance uh, help kind of define and influence uh, and uh, categorize our human relationships. Uh, And he kind of came up with four different spaces. He talked about public space uh, for public events of about 100 plus people. So you think of a sporting event or going to the movie theater or something like that. Then he he came up with what he called social space. Uh, This is the space for neighborly type relationships, about 20 to 70 people. Um, And yeah, I do have this on the screen for you. Then he came up with personal space. Uh, This is the space for uh, really good friends, uh, close relationships. Uh, and then he talked about intimate space, or what we can call transparent space. That's about two to four where we interact with uh, uh, people who are closest to us. These are These are our most vulnerable and open relationships. Now, a couple pastors named Bobby Harrington and Alex Absalom, they took the work of Edward Hall and kind of expanded it to talk about the five contexts that God uses to help us grow. And so in addition to the four spaces that Hall came up with, uh, they added a fifth space, which they called the divine context. That's our uh, space alone with God. Now, I'm putting on my teacher hat for you this morning a little bit. This may feel a little weird, all right? So it's not a normal sermon, but stay with me, because I think this is actually really helpful. And it's vital that we understand how these spaces and dynamics work because they're going to help us grow. They're going to help us with our expectations of community, and they're going to help us see what next steps we can take in our relationship with God. So let me uh, talk about these five spaces a little more. We can see these five spaces in the ministry of Jesus. So let's go to the next slide. So Jesus, we know he ministered to the crowds. He talked. He taught publicly. But he also had a group of 70. Remember, he sends out a group of 70 disciples to go through all the towns of Judea, Judea and uh, in Israel. So he had a group of 70 that he was close, more, more closely related to than the crowds. We know he also invited 12 to be with him in a more intimate way, a personal way. But even among the 12, he had a more transparent context of Peter, James, and John, who became the pillars of the early church. And we know from the scriptures that Jesus spent much time withdrawing to lonely places to be alone with His Father. We also see this, I think, in the New Testament church as well. Uh, in the passage that was read for this morning, uh, they met in the temple, in a public space where they're focusing on God. They also met house to house, uh, probably in larger gatherings that we might think of in our in our homes. They also had different teams. They had the twelve who continued to provide leadership. And then remember, there is the issue about the food distribution for the widows, so they had to come up with another team, and they selected seven who kind of became the first deacons of the church. And then they also, we also see this dynamic that there's often like these trios that work together in the book of Acts. So you got Barnabas, Paul, John, Mark, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila. And these were often folks that were ministering together and sent out in ministry, and then we also know that. These disciples, they also spent time alone with God. We think of Peter praying and receiving a vision from the Lord. So we can see this in Jesus' ministry in the New Testament. Now, I want to think about what, what are the dynamics of these spaces? What are the fo- what are the kind of the, the focuses that happen? So let's go to the next slide. One more. So in public space, the focus is on, you, you kind of feel like you're a part of a movement you're, you're, you're part of something bigger than yourself. You you belong to a larger group of people that's on a mission together. And the focus of a public space is on some type of outside resource. Okay, this afternoon, I'm hoping to watch the Buffalo Bills beat the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. <laughs> so some of you, I'm putting our friendship on hold for this afternoon. It's, <laughs> we got a lot of Minnesotans, you, you college kids. But, In a sporting event, the focus is on an outside resource, uh, on something else you're doing together, not necessarily on the interpersonal connection. And a focus of that is kind of maybe you're inspired by something or we're celebrating something together. These are some of the focuses of the public space. Now, when you get into a a social space, this is where you kind of provide snapshots of friendship. It's kind of the mingling space. This is... This kind of becomes maybe an extended family. You can think about your extended family, maybe your neighborhood. And often what can happen in this space is mission and shared activity. So when we think about Jesus had the 70 he sent out, it was a good space, to big enough to do something together, but small enough to kind of coordinate the efforts of people. Now, when we get to the personal space, these, this is the space for closer relationships, You kind of go from mingling to being closer. Uh, This is a great space for support, uh, sympathy, challenge, teamwork, uh, accomplishing something together. Then we have the transparent space, and the focus of that space is on vulnerability, confession, accountability. And then when we're we're alone with God, that's where we develop intimacy, intimacy with God. We get discernment from the Holy Spirit. Uh, we get knowledge as, as we read scripture and we are thereby transformed by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to give you a few metaphors to think about the, these different spaces. Uh, metaphor for public might be movie night. Or I talked about watching a sporting event. That might be another metaphor. For the social space, you can think about, you know, this is like a backyard barbecue. You're having a, a bunch of people over and you're grilling hamburgers. Personal space, this is having somebody over for dinner and, and, and chatting about life. Or maybe, a, or maybe a, grou- a small group of people over for dinner. And then transparent space, this is like having just maybe a couple other people in your living room, and you're sharing more openly, more honestly about your lives. Uh, and then you can think about this in terms of also the physical space of our building. Now, I'm getting into the weeds of this a little bit, but hang with me. Think about our building. Uh, public space is obviously that's happening right now. We're all together, belonging in a public space, focusing on God together. Uh, social space, where does that happen? That that really happens mainly out there, right? In in Peterson Hall and in the lounge and in the Narthex. You're mingling, you're getting snapshots of relationship and friendships, building these connections. Uh, and but if you move into the lounge, maybe and you sit down with somebody, you sit down at the booth. It's a very nice booth, right? And you 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 enter a more personal space, okay? And then if you really need to be transparent, receive prayer, hey let's let's go meet in my office. You know, we need we need a more transparent location. So where do these things happen? Where do you see these spaces happening in our church life together? Let me just give you a few examples. Obviously, we talked about our worship service. That's public space. Um, and social space, we can think about our, the outreaches we do or our socials. Uh, coffee time, our church meals, those are all social-type spaces and gatherings. For the personal space, that's our community groups. Or if you serve on a ministry team or committee, that's typically about that size. And then a transparent space, maybe you have a spiritual friend that you meet with, or uh, we paired many, many of you up for a Bible reading partner and you texted back and forth, um, or maybe you just meet with somebody for coffee. Um, that's moving into a transparent space. And then obviously we encourage spiritual practices of prayer, Bible reading, and what, and what have you. So these are the five spaces of discipleship and relation, community context. And I think these have some powerful implications for our life together as the church. And the, I just want to make a few points about this. The first is this. All five spaces help us flourish and grow as disciples. All five. All five spaces help us belong and flourish and grow. So let me, let me talk through that a little bit. Public space. As Matthias mentioned uh, and reminded us last week, worship is something we do corporately. It's in us. It's one voice, one heart. We're rejoicing in God. And as and I think the metaphor that Dan, that you brought this morning from Tozer, tuning our hearts together to God, it, it binds us together. It's a powerful form of belonging in community. A guy named Joseph Myers, he writes about public, public space. He says, true community can be experienced in public space public space is not mere togetherness it is connectedness it is family it's an essential key to developing community is the maturing of our competencies for growing significant committed public belongings so we flourish in, in public space but we also need social space that's an important part of our healthy relationships you know, some relationships in our lives, they're going to feel not as close, but they're kind of more like extended family than like your, your nuclear family. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're not a value or that they're not important. They still contribute to this important kind of web of belonging um, that we need to flourish in our lives. Um, you know, we tend to think that maybe only personal, closer, or transparent relationships are the only ones that are valuable. And that's simply not the case. There's a lot of value to this social connectedness of being a part of the extended family of God. We also have personal space. Uh, This is like your community group or a team. um, But this is where you can really begin to practice the one another's, the loving one another, sharing prayer requests, sharing what you're struggling with. Um, That's what's best in that space. And transparent space, that's where you can truly reveal what you're going through, maybe, maybe confess your sins and what's, what are you struggling with, what are you, what are you tempted by. And of course, we know we need divine space to flourish with God. So friends, I contend to you that we really need a, a harmony of all these contexts to flourish. We're talking about flourishing as disciples and all five of these help us flourish in our walk with God. The second, I think, implication that we can derive from this is that group size and time significantly influence spiritual growth. Group size and time significantly influence spiritual growth. Now, I want to come back to the question that I asked you at the very beginning. What has impacted you the most in your walk with God? Hopefully, you can think of many different moments, many different experiences, and, but I want to ask you, in what context would you place your answer? public social personal transparent what kind of relationship was it what i have found as i've asked people this question is most people respond with some type of transparent relationship it was a mentor it was a youth pastor it was my parents it was a this was my spouse it was a a conversation i've had in my own life that's what i think about these these really open vulnerable conversations or relationships that help me grow in my life with god um and sure, maybe some of us, we can name you know, some sermons that were tremendously life-shaping. Um, I just want to give a caveat. Just because you don't remember it doesn't mean it, it didn't have an impact. I know you're not going to remember most of what I say to you. That's fine. Uh, you don't remember what you ate yesterday morning for breakfast. That doesn't mean it didn't have an impact on your life. So I tell myself that to help me sleep at night. <laughs> Hopefully it's true. But as I talk with most people, I I do discover that I think it's these transparent type relationships that tend to that tend to not talking about always, but tend to make the most uh, impact on our lives. In fact, a a pastor named Greg Ogden uh, he wrote a a book on discipleship, and and he did his doctorate of ministry um, on discipleship, and essentially he came up with a curriculum for disciples called that became the book Discipleship Essentials. And in his doctorate of ministry, what he had what he had people do is uh, he had a group of Uh, a small group, you know, that 10 to 12, 15 range go go through the material. He had a group of three go through the material and he had a group of one-to-one go through the material. And then at the end, they evaluated, you know, how how well did people grow in these groups? And what, what he found in his studies was actually it was the group of three that produced the most spiritual growth in the people who went through the material. Now, I think there's a lot of reasons that three is actually better than two. Uh, that I can't go into right now, but uh, it goes to show that there, there's something about this smaller space dynamic. Um, and I think it's because of the factors of time and vulnerability in this group size. I mean, perhaps I can appeal to some of you logical, like math people, okay? If you have 1.5 hours for spiritual conversation and you have 12 people. Each person gets to share how long if everyone shares evenly, which we know probably never happens. How long is that? Anybody can do it? Seven and a half minutes. Someone got it. OK. You get a prize. Seven and a half minutes, That's if everybody gets to share evenly, OK? Now if you have just three people and you have 90 minutes, you get to share for how long? Thirty minutes. 30 minutes, that is a significant difference. And if it's someone that you feel connected to, someone that you trust, then you can open up in different ways than you would in a bigger size group. Now, I want to say there's spiritual spiritual growth happens in all five spaces, okay? It happens in all of them. But I think we tend to see greater spiritual fruit in these smaller spaces because of the increased time and the increased vulnerability. And I think that's also why spiritual practices are tremendously important. Because it's as we spend time alone with God, pouring out our hearts to our Father, listening to the Holy Spirit, discerning his direction for our lives, man, that is is life-changing. It's the Spirit who can transform us. And he does this work in all five spaces. Now, most churches really help people with those first three spaces you know we, we help people in the public space we really help people with social gatherings we help, we help people get in community group uh, but we tend to be deficient on the transparent spaces um, and may, maybe even spiritual practices so that's, that's something to pay attention to um, and I think it can be really helpful actually if you can pair the last two spaces together if we can help people practice being alone with God in a transparent group a lot of spiritual transformation can happen Another important implication of this framework, I think, is that understanding group dynamics can help us have healthier expectations. Understanding these dynamics can help you have better expectations in actually all of your relationships, not just your relationships at church, but in any relationship and space you're in. But when we're we're at church, when we participate in the various activities of the church, we should think about what space am I in right now and what should I expect from that space? Okay, so in public space, let me go. Let me go over these. In public space, uh, we should expect that the focus of this time is on God. The, we we set we set aside this hour and fifteen minutes roughly to focus on God. It's about engaging an outside resource together. So it's not about um, focusing on anything else. So we should expect in this space. Singing to God, praying to God, hearing from God, listening to God's word, responding to God. What we should not expect, ironically, is to focus on relationships. I mean, this is not the right context for that thing. And so I should not expect that during this time that I'm going to feel intimately known. You will not feel intimately known in worship by somebody else. It just won't happen. And of course, we build important bonds of unity and fellowship as we talked about. That's equally important. But you're not going to feel intimately known in this space. And of course, we don't want anyone to feel alone or anonymous. No, that, that's horrible. We don't want anyone to feel that way at worship. Um, so, but we have to ask, where should we expect to receive that? And we have to recognize that that is mainly going to happen in the social spaces of our building and our time together. And I'm talking about on Sunday morning, specifically. So, let me talk about the social space. In this space, we should expect kind of neighborly relationships. That over time, if we keep investing in that space, it becomes kind of like an extended family. If you keep investing in it over time. And so, I think this is really important. If you want to belong to others, and if you want to help others feel like they belong at our church, then it's going to take actually probably coming early and lingering late. Because that's the time that we set aside for social space. And actually, coffee team, Tom Bonk, your team, it's really important. Because you foster that social space where we actually become more of an extended family. That is essential. Where we catch up on our weeks and we have, have these snapshots of friendship and connection. It also means that our gathering spaces are essential. Some of the ways that we, did, we redid the building, having the lounge and a new fellowship hall and, and, and the playground outside, the spaces that help us linger. That's essential for fostering belonging. So social space helps us be friendly, neighborly, feel like extended family. Um, but what we should not expect from this space is actually a lot of personal support. You should not expect a lot of personal support. I know that might seem hard, hard to say, but you shouldn't expect it from this space. Because I think, I think some people, you know, perhaps you've attended a worship service and, and perhaps you, you linger over coffee, but, but you've wondered why. Why is no one supporting me in the church? Why is no one helping me through this personal difficulty? It might be because you're not in the right context. You have to have the right tool for the job. You know, a hammer is not going to work really well with screws. Okay? So public space and social space are very poor tools for developing belonging, uh, like this more close belonging, for supporting people through difficulties, through uh, connection, and for challenge. And so that's why we're really big on getting you into that space, into community groups. But this is actually kind of hard for me to accept because I would love for every single one of you to be my closest, bestest friend. <laughs> I really long for that. I, really, I, I struggle with, with what they call FOMO, fear, fear of missing out. I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to know what you're really dealing with. I want to, I want to know that. And I, and I get to have that over coffees, but it's, the reality is I, I can't have that with all of you. I wish I could. But that doesn't mean our connection isn't valuable. It is valuable. We're still family, even if we're not in that transparent space together. Now, in the personal space, the, the personal space, that 8 to 12 range, um, this is really the best place for receiving support receiving support and challenge and sympathy for practicing the one another's of the New Testament. Um, this is where good conversation can happen, where you can reveal a little bit more about who you are. But actually, what you should not expect from this space is to be fully known. You should not expect, it, it, it can happen, there, there, there is fluidity to all these things, but you should not expect this space to be your bestest, deepest friend where you reveal all your secrets and what you're struggling with. Personal space is not fully transparent space. And so, some of you, community group, will not feel close enough. It will not feel close enough for you, even if you gather frequently in that space. And sometimes people wonder, well, you know, gosh, I'm attending worship, I'm attending a group, um, but no one really knows who I am. Or no one really knows truly what's going on with me. And what you might be looking for is a transparent space. A transparent relationship. In the transparent space, this is where we expect vulnerability. If you're becoming friends with someone in this space, what you have to expect is that you need to begin to transcend small talk. We should not expect the small talk of the social space to linger all the way down to transparent space. Of course, you need some small talk. But to have a healthy relationship in the transparent space, that's got to begin to transcend that into more deeper sharing and revealing of our thoughts, of our hearts, of our struggles and temptations. In the divine space, I simply want to say no amount of relationships, no amount of community can take the place of your own relationship with God. No amount of community can replace that. You know, you you hear some people say, well, you know, I'm just not growing very much in this church. You know, I'm not growing very much. Well, 97% of your time, if you participate in everything, 97% of your time is still outside the community. Okay, and if you're not taking steps to grow in the divine space on your own, the the church can't make up for that. We have to take responsibility. for. we're, We're the ones primarily in charge of our own growth. That's the truth. And so that's, and that's, Truly, as we spend time with God, that's where we're going to see a lot of fruit. But I'm going to talk more about that next week, actually. So, the caveat to all this, there, there is fluidity, fluidity to all this. Sometimes you're in pers- if you've been in, you know, a personal space for a long time, sometimes you can share pretty freely and be transparent. So, there, there are caveats to this as well. But uh, these are things that are general- generally true, that tend to be true about these spaces and relationships. And the final point I want to make about this is the five spaces provide new options for next steps for both seekers and disciples. The five spaces provide new options for next steps for both seekers and disciples. Now, if you're hoping to lead someone to Christ, if you have a friend who doesn't know the Lord and you're, and you're, you're trying to, you know, be missional, you're trying, as we've been talking now, you're trying to be a missionary, What? What do you do? What's, what's your natural first step? What do you want to invite them to do? And for many people, we were taught, well, you invite them to church, right? You invite them to the worship service. You invite them to this public space. Um, and for some people, that, that can work. Uh, but because that space, it's public space, the focus is on God, and certainly God can transform people. But it's actually a space that's really hard for people to connect. Because the focus of this time is not on connecting. It focuses on God. Okay? So I actually think maybe perhaps the social space, that 20 to 70, is probably a better option for most people. Not always, but I tend to think it's a better option for most people. You think about, say, your community group. You decide you, you're all, you all have a different friend you're reaching out to. And you say, let's throw a barbecue party this summer. And invite our friends, like Matthew invited his friends to dine with Jesus. We're gonna invite our friends to a backyard barbecue and, and and try to reach out to them that way. And I think that could actually be a good option because it's it's big enough to not feel intimidating, but it's small enough to help them get a snapshot of community and what it's like to be loved and to experience our community. And that's kind of how we're doing actually many of many of the outreaches we're doing at our church right now. We're trying to, at least the ones that are a bit more kind of an invitational outreach, we're trying to make them this social space. It might seem like a public space if 200 people show up, but kind of like we did at at Easter, remember there's different stations and events, and we're getting people into these social gatherings where they can make a connection, get a snapshot of the love and community we have here, so that we can help them take a next step. Another option you have is if you have a really strong relationship, is actually one-on-one. or or a group of three might be the best option for for you. You know, if you have a strong enough relationship, hey, could we read the gospel of Luke together? I'd love to meet with you one-on-one for coffee over the next eight weeks and just read this gospel. That actually might be a better step than come to church, depending on the relationship. I'm just trying to open up your mind to new steps, to new contexts that we can take. Um, And as a church, I think this framework can help us see maybe where we need to grow. Do we, as a church, do we have harmony among the five spaces in our life together? You know, and I mentioned, you know, we're we're committed to the public space. You know, we have our meals, our socials, our men's and women's gatherings, coffee time. Um, We've relaunched our community groups. Um, So I think we're pretty healthy in those first three areas. Um, But over the next couple years, I want to think about how can we help each other experience that transparent space? and also practice spiritual disciplines together in a way that's gonna produce some, I think some powerful spiritual fruit. So I think that's where we need to go over the next couple of years. But all five spaces, all five of these spaces help us flourish in community. And when I say community, we need to think about all five types of community. Healthy bonds in public, social, personal, transparent spaces. Truly, it takes a village to raise a disciple. It takes a village to raise a disciple. We need this for ourselves and we need this for the children also who are growing up in the church. I, I would submit to you, I think they need all five. And friends, the reason that I am compelled by this is not just because I find the sociological principles of it compelling and true, which I do, but I'm compelled by it because when I look at Jesus, This is how I see him relating to people. I think he was a master at helping people belong and take their next steps in these spaces. He taught the crowds. He healed the crowds. He had a group of 70 he was closer to that that he could send on, on mission together. We know he invited the 12 to be with him, that personal, closer relationship. But he also went further. He invited three he invited three to take additional steps. And what did, he, what did he do with them? He revealed himself on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, they were there when he revealed his glory. And then they were there with him when he was in the garden. In Jesus' deepest, darkest moment, he invited the three. Peter, James, and John, come with me to pray. And of course, we know Jesus had a very intimate relationship with the Father. He only did what he saw his father doing. So if we are disciples, if we call ourselves followers of this one, of this Messiah, then I think, how can we imitate our Lord in these spaces, in these relationships, and have harmony among them? So may our Lord Jesus help us as we seek to follow him in community.